I'm your host, Lillian Yang. And I'm your host, Fakri Shafai, and you are listening to Food Nonfiction. Today, we are transporting you back in time to Paris, France, year 1870. In July of this past summer, the French Parliament voted to declare war on Prussia. They had been provoked by the Prussian Chancellor, Otto von Bismarck, into a war they cannot win. It is now September. The Franco-Prussian War is raging, and we are in the midst of it all. This is the Siege of Paris. The Prussian army has surrounded us. They plan to capture Paris by starving it into surrendering. It is October. The siege has lasted for a month now. Food supplies are dwindling. The meat we are used to eating is pork, beef, and mutton. Well, it's all running out. The butchers also carry horse meat. It used to be a cheap meat choice, but now any meat is a luxury item. Les habitants ont ouvert les boucheries chevalines, boucheries canines et les boucheries félines. Il n'y a pas beaucoup de nourriture autour, mais je ne voudrais pas manger mon chien. We use hot air balloons to deliver our letters. By photographing and minimizing letters, We can fit pages and pages of writing onto these small pieces of film, which can be blown up to readable size once received. We launch the balloons from the Great Hill, Montmartre, with a brave messenger and pigeons, which we hope will fly home with return mail. Those few pigeons that do return home will carry the small pieces of valuable film filled with private messages and important letters from the outside world. One of the men who volunteered to pilot an airmail hot air balloon was Gaston Tissandier, a brilliant scientist who would later found the science magazine La Nature, currently still in print with the new name La Recherche. He would also eventually publish his memoir. As translated by HistoryNet.com, in his memoir he wrote, As I climbed aboard my balloon, the cannons exploded once more at the city gates. I embraced my brothers and friends and thought of the soldiers fighting and dying on the steps away. My soul filled with the cry of the country in need. My destiny now was to deliver what had been entrusted to me. This was my solemn moment, and no other thought could delay me. Lâche tout! Let her go! Soon enough, I spotted officers coming out from Trianon Palace. They watched me for quite some time until I noticed sudden movements in all directions. The agitated soldiers, running back and forth, appeared like hands on an upset mound, crisscrossing the same lawn where Louis XIV once strode. In their hunger and haste, they were utterly powerless to stop the delivery of the parcels beneath me. One of the messages that made it out of Paris was discussed in the Medical Times and Gazette in a piece published on November 26, 1870. 
In the message, a newspaper correspondent from inside Paris had addressed a question to physiologists. How far is the flesh of carnivorous animals edible by man? But when we come to omnivorous man, whose teeth, although originally formed on the frugivorous type, have through long generations been exercised on the juiciest, fattest, and plumpest of herbivora, the question whether he can adapt his digestive powers to carnivorous flesh is a curious one. By now, people have been forced to eat their pet dogs and cats. They also eat rats. A breakfast of rats with gravy costs one franc, 50 centime, which was a soldier's daily wage. But what would other sources of meat be? Perhaps it's time to turn our attention to the zoo, the Jardin des Plantes, the second oldest zoo in the world. If dog is edible, why should not wolf be? If cat, why not tiger? Is it healthy instinct or a time-honored prejudice that prevents our eating the flesh of predatory animals? These are questions on which the experience of the Parisians who have still the Jardin des Plantes, will probably throw some light. It is now December. People have been dying from cold and disease and starvation. The zoo can no longer keep the animals fed. The zoo directors have offered the animals up for sale. The deer, the antelope, the bear, the yak, they all sold quickly. Their meat seemed familiar enough, I suppose. The hippopotamus was priced at 80,000 francs, but no one has bought it. No one will touch the monkeys either. We are not cannibals, after all. They are too human. Recently, the zoo sold Castor and Pollux, two beloved elephants. Monsieur Debout paid 27,000 francs for the pair. They were shot with explosive bullets. His butcher shop is making a good profit from the meat, though. Depending on the cut, he has been selling the elephant's meat for 10 to 45 francs a pound. It's Christmas Eve today. Paris's finest restaurant, Voisin, is going to prepare a special meal of exotic zoo meats. Famous chef Alexander Etienne Charon is preparing a six-course meal. This is the menu. For starters, stuffed donkey's head with sardines. For soup, elephant soup. For entrees, we have roasted camel, bear chops in a pepper sauce, and kangaroo stew. For roasts, antelope terrine with truffles and, by the way, this is meant to be ironic, Wolf in deer sauce and cat surrounded by a ring of rats. For sweets, rice pudding. For dessert, gruyere cheese. But only the very rich are eating the zoo animals. It is now January, and to buy a single rat for food costs almost three francs. Combien ça coûte pour une assiette de Trois francs, ça coûte trop d'argent. C'est équivalent de deux journées de salaire pour un soldat. Today is January 28th, 1871. The siege has lasted five months. Paris has finally surrendered. 
let's bring it back to 2015. So that's some pretty incredible history. Fact is stranger than fiction, right? Yeah, when I first started my research for this episode, I thought it would be a short episode focusing on the elephants Castor and Pollux. But then I got deeper and deeper into the literature and found the Medical Times and Gazette publication from 1870. It was so fascinating to see the views at the time on eating animals like tigers, hedgehogs, and bears, and dogs, and cats. And the translated memoir we found for Gaston Tassandier, the volunteer pilot of a hot air balloon mail delivery? I wish we could have gone way more into depth on his story, because he was such an interesting person, and he survived that one-way trip out of Paris over enemy troops. That's incredible! For our listeners who want to read the memoir, the link to the translation is in our show notes. So that's it for today. We've gotten a couple new reviews, and they were really lovely to read. If you haven't reviewed yet, please review. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Thanks so much, Food Buffs. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Definitely let us know if there's something you want to hear about uh, topic-wise, either related to Castor and Pollux, the poor elephant siblings who are no longer with us, or if you want to hear about other stories, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.